0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And just for the record,
1: Donald Trump's counter-programming is horrible. I don't think anybody's going to be watching Tucker Carlson on, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. And I don't think anybody's going to be responsive to his quote-unquote counter-program.
0: That's Bakari Sellers on CNN, proving why Bakari Sellers is on CNN. I swear to you, I have been preparing that line from the second I heard the clip. Because that's how ridiculous it is. The desperation in trying to to castigate and and push aside Twitter X and, and push aside what Tucker does there. The desperation from Bakari Sellers and others. Please, we're CNN. We are the serious news outlet. You know that because we have television cameras. Tucker Carlson could have a bowel movement that gets more viewers than CNN. Everybody knows it, and yet they keep doing this. By the way, how come people won't watch Tucker or won't watch uh, Trump on Tucker? And I say that as a guy who's going to be watching the debate. I will then go back and watch Trump on Tucker. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. I had to make a, a call right what what is what does the job entail what what am i supposed to do here i have got a debate which is gonna have some serious candidates for president and then asa hutchinson what too soon too soon dude i don't mind i didn't mind the guy as governor of Arkansas. I'm saying that as a presidential candidate, there's no there there. There's no excitement there. He can't tell a story like, for example, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who I think is going to impress people on the debate stage. He can't. He is going to be as toast as the day is long. Anti-Trump will not work on the stage. There's no need for him to be there. It's embarrassing. It's, it's silly. And it's just proved positive that Rona McDaniel, the head of the RNC, pff, can't do the job. But I've got people on that stage who are going to be very much introducing themselves to America for the first time. And I think it's my job to see how that goes. Because if there's anything I can prove... I believe I can prove that the vast majority of Republican candidates can beat Joe Biden in a general. Oh, I'm gonna, I am going to get to this. You know how many people sent me this thing over here uh, about uh, how uh, Trump is leading DeSantis? And then of course, how about the very idea uh, that uh, Trump can beat Biden? Points in this particular case,
1: of course, the primary is one thing. If Trump wins the primary, can he go on and win the general election? And we've had three polls that have come out over the last week here. And I want you to take a look at how close this race is at this particular point. Granted, the general election is over a year away. The largest lead for Joe Biden is just three points within the margin of error. No clear leader. Look at these. one point. One point. If you go back at where we were at this point four years ago, Joe Biden's lead was high single digits to low double digits. This is significantly closer than where we were four years ago. So this idea that Donald Trump can't win the general election, I want you to lose that idea. This race is very, very close. And Donald Trump is polling better right now than basically at any point during the entire 2020. After four indictments. After four indictments. It just doesn't really seem to matter.
0: Deny Trump and you're crazy. Me, I still don't think he can win a general. I don't. But if he's the nominee, I'm going to vote for him, even from jail. That's how bad Joe Biden is. And this is a story about how bad Joe Biden is. And with everything going on with Maui, it gets so much worse. It is unavoidable what a fool he is, how hateful he is, how much he doesn't care, and how bad the age issue is. And for those people who want to call me an ageist, you spell my last name K-A-T-Z. You better believe that Joe Biden's too old because there is such a thing as too old and Joe Biden's too damn old. The rent is too damn high and Joe Biden is too damn old. Quote me, I'm fine with it. But when you take a look at those numbers, you realize, well, wait a second, is this about Trump? Or is this about the fact that Biden, everybody knows, can't do anything? They know he's a fool. They know he's too old. They know he's incapable. And what does the Democratic Party do? We'll get into that another time. I still think they're too late to change uh, nominees. And if you change the nominee and you don't change it to, uh, to Kamala Harris, can you imagine if they change the nominee... But they don't change the nominee to Kamala Harris? I mean, that's, that is not going to be taken well. I, I I have to assume that it's going to be taken like this. You're a little bit racist.
1: Well, you're a little bit too. I guess we're both a little bit racist. Admitting it is not an easy thing to do. But I guess it's true. Between the Democrats. Everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. Now just the progressives. Doesn't mean we go around committing hate crimes.
0: Well, sometimes it does. You don't pick Kamala Harris, and Kamala Harris is incompetent. Joe Biden is too old. Kamala Harris is incompetent. Quote me, I'm fine with it. Oh, I think any uh, near any candidate can beat Joe Biden, but I'm covering the debate because I can always go back and see uh, the, um, the 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 Tucker piece with Trump. I would argue that the debate has more opportunity for more things I haven't heard yet, more things that make you go, "Wait, what did they say? Ooh, that's interesting, etc." I think for Trump, I know what Trump is. It's actually Trump's line that made me say I'm going to cover the debate. Trump stated, I don't have to do the debate. Everybody knows who I am. Correct. I know who you are. I know what you're going to say. Therefore, I'm going to cover the debate. The reason Bakari Sellers is wrong is because he's saying that nobody's going to watch. No, 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 no. Everyone's going to watch. They may watch one before the other, but they're going to watch. Of course they are. You know what no one's going to watch? Brian Stelter's one-man show above a bowling alley. That no one is going to watch. No one is going to watch the Bakari Sellers Super Happy Fun Hour. No one is going to watch this programming. If it wasn't for me sharing it now, you never would have heard it, but it would have been your guess. You would have guessed that CNN, being a really ridiculous network, would say something like this. And they've said it many, many times. So I'm going to watch the debate. The question is, Tony, does it even matter? Does the debate even matter? I'm going to argue yes for the reasons of understanding, not for any rationale of pushing a candidate. Um, I don't think Trump can win a general, but if he gets the nomination, I'm going to vote for him. There's just no debate about this. Of course I am. I am not as sold as some level of data, uh, or or some poll on this. I'm certainly not as sold as Trump supporters on this. My issue with Trump supporters has been that they are going to be like, I won't vote for anybody else. So that makes them no different than a never-Trumper. It makes them worthless to the cause. And, 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 And I mean to be as direct as I am about this because that attitude has to change. Push for your guy. You didn't hear me say no. But if your guy doesn't get the nomination, beat Joe Biden. That that is not the continued thought is where the the disaster is. Only Trump can do it, he's the only guy. Nobody else would drain the swamp. He didn't drain the swamp in the first four years. Oh, well you see, this was against him. No, 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 everybody's against him. We've already seen the level of what's against him. I want things done and I'm not interested in excuses. Really, really do hate hearing them. So what the debate is going to do is show you a bit of strategy. It's going to show you if you have other options. It's going to show you how these people act and interact with each other. It's going to show you whether or not they can stop going after Trump and start remembering their focus. This is where people like Chris Christie, I think are going to have an absolutely terrible garbage debate. If Chris Christie wants to go after Trump 24 seven, he's a more than welcome to. But when Trump isn't on the stage and you're going after him, you look ridiculous. I don't argue that this is a debate where uh, a guy like Chris Christie gets to excel. I argue that Chris Christie cannot get off his own problem. He cannot talk about something else. He hates Trump more than he hates anything. He hates Trump more than he hates a crowded beach. Screw you! That's a good joke. You, oh, you might have to think about that for a second, right? Right, right, right. There, there it is. There it is, right there. Thank you, Cleveland. You, you figured it out. You remember the photo. So I'm going to watch him implode. In, in, in my belief. Is Desantis going to attack Vivek Ramaswamy, which does him no good? Or is he going to say, hey, uh, never back down, Pack. I'm not going to listen to you. I've got my own subjects here that I'm going to get to. I actually have to reintroduce myself to America as the guy who did all the things they were in love with a year ago. That's a super weird place to be. That's a super weird place to be. That a guy who had all the momentum and all the wind that is back a year ago will have to reintroduce himself to America. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's a talker, but you know what he needs? Time. He gives long-winded answers, and I don't know if the debate setup will be great for him in that. I don't know if he will seem defensive or, or seem like somebody who is a little too crafted and not enough loose. Now, you say to me, well, that's exactly what DeSantis is. I'm not going to disagree in his presentation style, but at least he has a whole state that he can look back to. And he might be the only guy who remembers that he's running against Biden. Vivek has to remember that he's running against Biden. There are some things that come from this debate for a whole bunch of people who are going to ask the question, well, what if? And that what what if, what if Trump isn't the guy? What do we do? What do we do? And I think that is the, the question that is starting to grow. We brought it up here a month ago. In, in, in the beginning of the month, we brought it up. The, the, it was after the third indictment, the January 6th indictment, we asked, is Trump the candidate for the GOP? Oh, I took all sorts of heat, whatever. But it was the right question. And now I think that question is getting louder. We were, we may have been first to it, but we weren't going to be last to it. That question is getting louder. Is Trump the only candidate? Now, I believe that, uh, never mind what Bakari Sellers of CNN says, he doesn't know anything. Trump is going to get a very large audience to watch him with Tucker. I, I absolutely believe that's going to happen, and I'm going to share it for sure. To the extent that he says anything new, anything different, I don't know. Ukraine's going to come up, he's going to say, I'm going to end the war in 24 hours, and Tucker's going to have to press him on what you're going to do. Tucker's going to have to press him hard on that. Are you telling me that Trump could say, I'm going to end the war in 24 hours, and if Tucker presses him, he doesn't answer it, that's going to be okay by the Trump supporter? That'd be weird. Weird not to have somebody answer a question and be okay with it. But I think that's going to be his toughest part. Certainly, Tucker's got to ask for indictments. You're going to go to jail. How do you plan on doing this? Those kinds of questions are going to come up. Those are going to be curiosities. But I don't see there's any other answer from Trump other than I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Everything's going to be fine. We're not going to lose. We're going to do that. You know, all, all of that world. So I don't think I'll learn as much as I will from the debate. These guys in the debate better remember that their job is to be seen as the somebody who can do it if Trump can't. Because if that's the game we're playing, that's the game we're playing. But they also have to remember they're running against Biden, not Trump. And they got to be able to sell America on that idea. And I don't think guys like Christie can turn uh, like that. I don't think they can figure out that Trump's not there. I really don't. And then, of course, there's the idea that you've got eight people, nine people on this stage, and there should only be four and a half. But that's the fault of Rona McDaniel, who was allowed to keep her job because she got supported by Donald Trump. Rona McDaniel's terrible. The Republican Party uh, needs to be serious, and man, they don't have the leadership. (laughs) That's a whole other subject for another day. I'm Tony Katz. Never forget that we discuss debate, we discuss Trump, we agree, we disagree. It's, it's cool. It's cool. The biggest story in America is the Biden crime family. The biggest story in America is how Hunter Biden worked to secure deals to get paid for, to give people access to his father, and his father knew it, because his father knew it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Guys, it's a pleasure to be with you. But now we learn that David Weiss, who was the U.S. attorney in Delaware, who had slow walked clearly now the investigations into Hunter Biden and tax fraud, who wasn't going to charge Hunter Biden with tax fraud. Until two whistleblowers came to light. Then he added misdemeanor tax offenses to part of a plea deal. It would not have happened if it weren't for the whistleblowers. We now learn that David Weiss has a connection to the Biden family. Because David Weiss used to work with the former Attorney General of Delaware. That man's name... Bo Biden, the late son, brother of Hunter Biden, and late son, I should say, of, of President Biden, late brother of Hunter Biden. They work together. There is a family connection. So anything David Weiss says about not bringing charges against Hunter, that's all because it was in La Familia. The whistleblowers forced him into it. And now what do Hunter Biden's lawyers want? They want the DOJ to charge the whistleblowers with a crime for showing what a low-life Hunter is and how he broke the law. They want him charged with a crime. These people, when we talk about the two-tier justice system, this is of course it. And this is what has people so infuriated everybody's connected and they're all working together to ensure that they never are held responsible or get the lightest slap on the wrist and you go to jail for forever and so do your kids. I mean, that's the way they think. The the very concept, the very concept of of, of the misdemeanor for, for Hunter the and and therefore this sweetheart plea deal. Plea deal makes a lot more sense now. A lot more sense. And one wonders to the extent David Weiss had connections to it. Oh, I believe he had connections to it, don't get me wrong. It's the extent to which one thing to know for sure is that Hunter Biden will only only be held responsible through the impeachment inquiry yes David Weiss and Hunter Biden's team clearly the DOJ and Hunter Biden's team let's say it that way tried to get one past the judge because this uh, plea deal would have given him clearly given him immunity and luckily the judge didn't fall for it So maybe there's still a chance, but it's nothing without the impeachment inquiry. Let's take a look at this presidential race and start breaking down Iowa the way it needs to be done. This is Tony Katz today
1: no I think they still they expect him to be here they want to interact they want to interact with all of the candidates Uh, we've had we had great turnout at the fairside chats I had a lot of Iowans and people outside of the state come up and just say thank you for doing that it was a great opportunity to hear from the candidates and so you know Iowans take it very seriously they're very knowledgeable and they want to interact with the candidates and so he was on the fairgrounds he just chose not to do the fairside chats but um, I think it was a great opportunity for Iowans to continue to hear from our candidates
0: That is the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds. They want Trump to be at the debate, but Trump won't be at the debate. Iowa is a persnickety place. They take their first in the nation status very seriously, and they don't like it when you don't pay attention to them. Tony Katz, good to be with you, Tony Katz today, 833-468-8669-833, got Tony, that is the number. The, the, the question is, does anything take Trump off the perch in Iowa where he is um, pretty well perched? Craig Robinson joins us right now. The Iowa gop peer on the Twitter Xbox app thing at iowagoper.com. He has run those caucuses for the Republican Party, has long been considered the expert on how things act and interact. You can find his work at cgdelivers.com. You were the first person I saw to take a look at that NBC NBC News Des Moines Register poll that showed Trump at 42, DeSantis at 19, and Tim Scott at 9, and say, why doesn't everybody hold up? That may not tell the story. What's your problem with the poll?
1: My biggest problem with the poll is that it has such a small sample size which means it has a large margin of error. So they they interviewed 406 people. If you look at the poll that came out, I think yesterday, I don't remember the name of it, but it was twice as big. And so, you know, you have a five, like a five point margin of error. It's one thing when you're sitting at 42 and it's five points and it could vary a little bit. But when you're talking about candidates who are, you know, sub 10 points of the poll. Well, that 5% margin of error is big. And I think in a state like Iowa, um, it's hard, like these candidates have pockets of support. It isn't statewide. And it is, you know, so much right now, It's the, it's the hardcore activists that are engaged. And so I think you can do a poll like that um, basically on the cheap is what I'm saying, uh, and, and not figure out what's actually going on. So I think they miss things like Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, is a lot stronger than he showed in that poll. I, I see the other polls I see make more sense to what I'm feeling on the ground than what I saw in that morning register poll yesterday.
0: Yeah, so the other poll was uh, the Trafalgar Group, which had a margin of error of 2.9 and 1,126 respondents. You take a look at that poll um, from uh, the Des Moines Register, 406 likely Republican caucus goers with a margin of error of 4.9. But what's interesting, uh, Craig, is that they both had Trump at 42 percent. Trafalgar, with the larger sample size, had DeSantis at 16. The Des Moines mm-hmm. Register poll had DeSantis at 19. They had Ramaswamy at 6 and 4 percent, respectively. Are you saying that the support for DeSantis isn't that good and the support for Vivek Ramaswamy is that much higher? Um, so it's a little bit complicated. With Trump
1: and DeSantis you're dealing with two guys with universal name ID and, and the rest of the field doesn't enjoy that. And so again, you know, I I don't necessarily have a problem with the ranking and, you know, I would, I'm not surprised that DeSantis is pulling in second. I just think you're missing, like it's turbulent beyond DeSantis and it's harder to pick up the groundswell of support. Um, I do think the, the ones to watch are Tim Scott. Uh, the vague Ramaswamy, those are the guys who people talk to you about when you go about um, your your day. For at least me, uh, someone who's very political, uh, those are the people that people are bringing up to me. You know, uh, you know, when I'm not even asking, they're just dropping those names and they're interested in those those candidates. And so I just think tap the brakes a little bit. Uh, you know, the, that Des Moines Register poll just to me, it's like we're we're desperate for a horse race. We want to see this thing tighten up. And, Tony, I look at the numbers and I look at what Trump did in 2016. I think Trump's winning 80 of Iowa's 99 counties. Um, and I think he's going to – and whether he debates or not, I don't think there's anything that's really going to disrupt him uh, in the next few months before we, we actually go to the polls and vote.
0: Talking to Craig Robinson. He is the Iowa GOP. He is our man in Iowa, breaking down what will be coming in the caucuses. Let's go over that number again, shall we? It doesn't matter if Trump debates, you see him getting 80 of the 99 counties in Iowa. Um, if that's the case, What's the point of the Iowa caucus for the rest of them? Shouldn't they all focus on New Hampshire? All of a sudden, Chris Christie is a freaking (laughs) genius man focusing his entire world on New Hampshire. No, and and
1: here's the thing. like Maybe I'm the only Republican in the country that's excited about this debate without Trump because that debate is exactly what the Iowa caucus is about. Who's the alternative to him? Who's, be- who, who's going to emerge as the option uh, besides Donald Trump? If you're looking, if you're kicking the tires for for a candidate besides Donald Trump, who is it? Well, now we have a debate that's going to help us figure out just that, and that is what I think the caucuses are about. Number one, will Trump stumble or not? Right. Uh, but number two, who's emerging as the alternative to Trump? That's not Chris Christie, because let's be honest, Tony. If Donald Trump's not in this race, Chris Christie doesn't even
0: exist. Correct. And and so, go ahead. No, I'm saying I was saying we literally discussed that earlier. If uh, you have Chris Christie's entire philosophy is to go after Trump, Trump not in this debate is disastrous for Christie. And I don't know if he can get through his head. He has to turn on a dime and be focused on Biden talking to Craig Robinson, the Iowa GOPer, our man in Iowa with the breakdown of what's going on. Um, you're excited about this debate but you say Trump takes 80 of the of the 99 counties, in your view, and you've been to all these 99, you know the people, you know the players, you know the streets, and you know where the backyard barbecues are, and you've been to them. <laughs> um, what is the value for any of these other guys? Is there a value to coming in second in Iowa yeah, think,
1: for, for any of them? Look, I think there's huge value in finishing second or third, and, and the thing is, is the value is, is like, what's on the line you know, Ron DeSantis, you know, has to finish second. He can finish no worse than second. And so this is where that interplay between Tim Scott, Vivek, Ramaswamy and 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 DeSantis matter. You know, so it it's a pecking order. They always say there's three tickets out of Iowa. And by the way, you know, everyone likes to pick on Iowa. Oh, they don't pick the eventual nominee. Well, that's not our job. Our job is to narrow the field and say, These are the serious contenders coming out of Iowa and then New Hampshire takes a stab at it and winnows it down even more for the rest of the country that follows on super Tuesday and, and other early States. And so, you know, I think what we're looking for, what we're going to determine out of Iowa is who's the, who's the other alternative to Donald Trump and that there's value in that. And there's a win in that too. So I think if you finish in second place, or someone gets a surprising third-place finish out of Iowa, they'll get a boost, and, and and they'll get a lot of national attention moving into New Hampshire and, and these other early states.
0: Is DeSantis done for? In in your view, um, you have discussed the fact before that he did not put together a campaign that was worth its salt with all that wind at his back. Uh, we have discussed off air and on the idea of ground game. Well, look, they put $100 million or whatever the number that was uh, into the pack and into the ground game. And as you explained it, there's a difference between knocking on doors and getting with the right people who can move the right message to influence the right groups. Um, has this, does DeSantis show at least? You know, we see the, uh, uh, the where this polling is, and he's up a little bit. Um, d- does this show uh, a a bit of okay? He's got an opportunity to grow a little bit here, and maybe get that solid second place finish.
1: Yeah, no, I, he's he's. I don't think he's dead yet, and I always think the media is really quick to you know take a scalp sometimes. But I, what I would say is. He needs a debate performance that sets him apart. And and this is what we're not seeing when you, when you, when you see him in, in the state, when you see him on the campaign trail, he's fine. It's good, but it isn't, you're not wowed by him. I think this debate, he needs, he needs to wow people. He needs to take charge. He needs to be the alpha on the stage. And can he do that? If he can, I think he can. I think there's a reemergence that's possible. If not, Tony, I think he might be dead.
0: Who is. uh finding their way in Iowa. Who's the candidate that's that's making the move? Is, is it Vivek Ram- Ramaswamy? Is it uh, Tim Scott, who in that Trafalgar poll is at 13, and that Des Moines Register poll is at nine, a, a, a touch higher than where uh, he's been? Uh, is there anybody who's started to make a move up in your view, and is there anybody who's been making a move out of this picture?
1: Yeah, I, I think the two of them are the ones to watch, um, uh, Scott and the, um, the the question to me is like there's no natural fit really for the state's social conservatives you know there's not a, a Rick Santorum a Mike Huckabee a Ted Cruz in this field and so the question is you know this is where I think Tim Scott has an opening can he feel that deal with them um, or are they going to continue to kind of look around, or maybe even divide themselves between, you know, Trump, DeSantis, someone else, you know, Mike Pence, whatever. Um, and so I, I do think that there's there's opportunity there, but again, like there's not a classic social conservative in this race that's really focused their campaign on these issues, and so that that's a big block of voters that you can you know you can deep dive into and. And get support across the state. So, I you know I think it's open. You know, and then on the other hand, are those are those voters willing to support someone like Vivek Ramaswamy, who comes from a different faith background than they are, even though he's, you know, he grew up you know attending Catholic churches and and and, and schools. Um, so it, it's interesting to me, and I think it's a big question mark. Of, you know, typically what you see is that voter kind of coalesces besides, you know, they're, they're always supporting kind of the alternative to the front runner. You know, they went with Huckabee, they went with Santorum, they went with Ted Cruz. Well, who are they going? What's the natural flow of who they go to this time? I think it's wide open. Um, and so, again, a debate like this, let's see who messages towards that type of voter.
0: Craig Robinson, uh, the Iowa gop uh, I appreciate it. Um I, I was I was going to get into um are these people debating on Wednesday? Are they debating for the nation because they need fundraising or are they debating for Iowa because they need a showing? Which direction are they kind of focusing themselves in at this stage of the game?
1: I think they're debating for the media. I think they need attention, so I think it's national. Um but Iowans are watching. People in New Hampshire, South Carolina, they're watching. Um, but I, I think it is m- much more of a national, almost news media type focus because whoever's going to get the most, you know, talk the next day is going to be the winner.
0: Greg Robinson, I appreciate you being with us. Follow him on Twitter X at Iowa GOPer. Iowa G-O-P-E-R. I appreciate you. We've got much more to get to. Keep it here. I'm Tony Counts so the dow is down 110 which is weird because earlier today the futures were were up and it was combined with very very strange news uh one of the pieces being dick sporting goods those shares are down because they have slashed their outlook over concerns about theft, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, we all see it, we all know it, uh, the, the political left and the media want to run from it, here it is, as clear as day. They don't see a good economic future because everything's being stolen from them, literally. Then add on to that the story about Macy's. Okay, maybe Macy's has been having issues for years on the retail side more people doing online shopping, etc. Right? If you're somebody in the mall business, it's uh it's not that easy. The company shares fell about 10%. Full disclosure, I don't own either one of those companies. I don't own stock in 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 either. They expect uh their owned plus licensed sales to fall between 6 and 7.5%. The bigger story is their adjustment. Even though revenue has fallen year over year, they've got a very cautious forecast for the future. They think everyone's done their buying already. Now, we have had this conversation. We have discussed this. That when it comes to this coming holiday season, there is a lot of concern that everybody has already done their buy-in. They are out. They're done. They're finished. They're good. They will. They do not see having a very large season for the holiday season. They believe that the consumer is going to be cautious for the rest of the year. Now, one could argue that's going to be cautious because they want to be able to do the holiday buying. But one would also then uh, consider that it would mean decreased holiday buying, especially when what credit card debt has topped one trillion dollars. And you say, holy cow, that's a lot of debt. Holy cow, that's a lot of maxed out credit cards. Sorry, can't buy anything for Christmas. Now, I will hold that I could be wrong, because even though if you had asked me over the past year, are we in a recession, I would have said, oh, hell yes. You see people shopping like mad. They're shopping like crazy. We've had economist Dr. Matt Will explain that's because there are less places to shop. They're buying the things that are available on the shelves because so few things are available on the shelves and there are less stores open, less restaurants open compared to pre-COVID. Maybe. Maybe we'll see some shopping. Every number says, every data point says, nope, this could be a bad Christmas season. That's exactly what you want if you're Joe Biden running for president. But Joe Biden's got bigger problems, like Maui. It went from bad to horrific, just like you knew it would. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.